Welcome to the Vet Church Podcast. Vet Church interviews are authentic, sacred, and inspirational. Vet Church is open to anyone who appreciates the sacrifice made by the women and men who put on a uniform and served this great nation. Find out more at vetchurch.com or retiredarmychaplain.com. Welcome, Vet Church. We're sitting here in Louisville, Kentucky, in a buddy's house. Uh, another first ID member of the tribe. Member of the tribe, and um, been gracious enough to let us use his house for this interview. And we're home alone. <laughs> <laughs> they left us. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so I'm, I'm sitting here with Jose Aponte. Uh, many of y'all know him. He's definitely been one of the gatekeepers of this tribe as far as keeping people together. Trying. Well, you know, like you, you've helped connect folks and that's, um, you've been at both of the two get togethers we've done here, both of the two, uh, pilgrimage to the national cathedral. Um, I'm your biggest fan <laughs> outside of K of course. <laughs> hey, you even came to the Becky Welsh thing. I did. I forgot about that. Yeah. You and Carolyn drove down. To support we, Becky Welch. Yep. We drove down an entire day, spent the night, did the Ricky, the Ricky Welch, the Ricky, <laughs> Becky Welch thing, went to Dallas that afternoon, slept that night and drove home. First Lieutenant Robert, Robert, Robert Welch, Welch the third. Um, and we, we all served with him over at, mm-hmm. right over here at Fort Knox. So um, it's been a while. We've been talking about doing this interview. Yeah, for a couple of years. <laughs> since it started, man. Yeah. Since the very first one, we're like, yeah, we do it. And uh, we thought we were going to do it at the cathedral this year in D.C. That but, got crazy. Yeah. Um, it's it's almost instant crazy. You know, I just had water and it's just... Well, you're doing... It's, it's just nonstop going. Something's always happening. You yeah. know, for like those two or three days. And, and it's really cool. That, that to me is like... Um, now, we did get sit down for five or six minutes and eat some hot dogs. What, what awesome was the name of those? Uh, Ben's Chili Bowl. Ben's Chili Bowl Ben's hot Chili dogs. Bowl. Highly recommended. Very, mm-hmm. yes. Um, but they are hot. Spicy. Oh, buddy. And uh, so we sat right outside of uh, Arlington in a hotel. Mm-hmm. Um, on Fort Meade. On Fort Meade. And had dinner together. Myers, too. Myers? Oh, Myers. Oh, yeah, Meade is a... Uh, is a Maryland. Maryland. That right. Close. Yeah, <laughs> it's over there somewhere. Yeah. Well, so um, so this year, did you you haven't finished your master's? No, um, I've I completed all my coursework, and I actually walked in commencement in May. Um, I took the summer and the fall semesters to do my thesis, and my thesis is all about oh, um, it's all about Matt and how he uses digital media, aka Vetrich. To help bring us together and heal us. Well, so, there, so there's a there's a 20 page explanatory essay that I have to write, which I can't stand writing. And then there's my creative project, which is going to be a documentary about this vet church thing, and um, it's going to be awesome. Well, yeah. well, and we just sat outside and did some of the yes, we did some of the interview. Interviewed me and Kate. Um, I can't wait to watch how 
<laughs> you cut through all this stuff and pull it down into like Ooh, that half yeah. hour or whatever. But um, yeah, I've got to, I've got to whittle down several hours of footage into like fifteen minutes. It's gonna hurt. <laughs> but but that's like in the in the world of graphic design, the terminal degree, meaning that as high as you can go in the world of graphic design, is a master's. Mm-hmm. And in this area is, is in graphic design. You know, I did the AA mm-hmm. with my GI Bill, and what you do. Like you think about well, who does graphic design? Well, who made that shirt? Um, graphic designers made the shirt. Uh, who puts all the emblems on all the shoes? Who does all the campaign stuff? Who does the menus at the restaurants we work at? Every billboard you, you see. Every billboard. Um, all of TV, all of television, all of film that's that's done professionally is done by graphic designers. And, and it's a huge field. And you start picking and doing what, you know, and you're an incredible photographer. I remember before I jumped in, you you told me about like you gave me a picture of this pie. Oh, the the cheesecake. Yes, the cheesecake. And um, (laughs) you know I don't eat milk. Y'all know that, but the the, this piece of pie or cheesecake looks so real. And and you and I and I remember thinking about like I brought it home. We gave it to Kate back when we had the house. And uh, actually, it's in storage right now. I kept it. Um, Hope so. Well, it it inspired me like because to begin graphic design, you have to start with a camera. Mm-hmm. It all starts with a camera, and I thought I knew how to take a picture, buddy. Oh gosh, I learned how to take a picture. You know, let me tell you when I give okay, us back up a little. I started my education in two thousand. I was going for computer programming. Yeah, I wanted to be a systems analyst because coding made me. I was able to flex my creative muscle, mm-hmm. you know, in code. And it was fun. But then, you know, the military being what it is, I hopped around place to place. And it took me till I retired in 2012, or I was retired in 2012. <laughs> I took about a year off to kind of figure out who I am and um, find myself again. And um, then uh, I decided to go back to school and finish off this associate's degree. Well, there was nothing really interested me, so I tried computer networking. I wanted to jump off the roof. Hated it. So boring. So I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So one day, my wife and I were just walking around the college, um, Ivy Tech, and um, we saw that they had a photography studio. And I was like, hey, this is kind of cool. So my wife convinced me to actually pursue one of my passions is photography because I've been taking photos semi-professionally since like the 80s. Yay, Carolyn. I still have my first Canon AE-1 film camera. Um, love that thing. And uh, finished that off in 2015. I was ecstatic. Couldn't believe it. I'm just a dumb kid from Brooklyn. You know, born in Puerto Rico, grew up in Brooklyn, New York. You know, most of my high school class is either dead or in jail. So what am I going to accomplish? You know, I became the first college graduate in my family with my associate's degree. Then I was like, well, I like telling stories. So visually. So, and I kind of gravitated towards editorial and journalistic photography because mm-hmm. I like recording the moment. And you can write a good story. I've, I've read a piece or two. Uh, a piece or two, yeah. Uh, I, you know, I don't like posing. I don't like setting things up just right. And I like taking the image as it's being made. 
So I was like, well, let me see if I can do this journalism thing. So I went to Indiana University Southeast and got my bachelor's in 2017 uh, uh, in journalism. So I was like, okay, cool. Let me push this a little bit further, see what I can do. So I'm going, I went for my master's and I graduated this past May. I have a master's in interdisciplinary studies with a concentration in post-secondary instruction. So basically what I want to do is tell, teach other people how to tell stories. And this whole thesis project is all about telling a story of us. What's well, our tribe? It's of not, it's us, not, of y'all, of everybody. Yeah, it's, it's our stories. It's real important to me that we clarify this. It's, it's not the Matt Williams show. No. Vet Church is about us. Yes. This music is about us. The, the parties are about us. Like going, going to Becky Welch's run isn't just about saying, oh, we mourn Robert Welch for dying in, in Afghanistan. We mourn our loss because that was us. Mm-hmm. Our tribe lost him. And, and we lost others. And, and, and they put that wall up, the Texas wall that's there. On the, you, you know, you were there. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. Hundreds and hundreds of people are coming to that. Yeah. And, and we're, we, as a group, are inspiring others to recognize the sacredness of their own story. And, you know, and I, I, I appreciate you. But, but I mean, we have, I have to be clear about that. Oh, sure, this sure. This is... Um, like I'm, I only plan on doing this for so long. I have an, I have an exit strategy. And, and I mean, really, the purpose of me highlighting you and what you do is to get the story out there that hey, listen, we're broke, yes, but we're not monsters. Exactly. <laughs> you know, we're people. We're just injured. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're not these gun-toting, whiskey-drinking yahoos. Well, most of the time. Yeah. But, well, you still need love even if you are that. Exactly. Yeah. But, but you know, you always hear the negative things. Yes. You always hear this person shot up this business. Oh, he was a veteran. And you always hear these negative things that are being poured out in the media. Me being a part of this media. Um, and I never liked it because that's not who we are. Nope. You know, our tribe, it's, we, we are the 2%, I think it is, One, in the United two. States that decided to raise our right hand and swore an oath to protect and defend not everyone does that there are a lot more people out there that say well I was going to but they never did we did we have something to say and this is kind of like the beginning of a journey for me because my hopefully my goal is to become like a Sebastian Junger and, and get out there and do documentaries about the military and, and tell our stories well and I think I think you're going to do that because when I say you're a gatekeeper, I have viewed you as you were the guy that used Facebook not to air your personal grievances. I've got a lot of problems with your people. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You didn't, but that wasn't your goal. Your goal was to unite people, to care for people. And to Um, keep us all together. And it's happened over and over and over. Facebook has been, we've been using it in a positive manner. Mm -hmm. Which, I mean, we've we've been through so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if we pretty much came home whole, uh, meaning we have all our parts that we we're born with for the most part, um, but we still came back broken. And and our stories have meaning. Our stories have power, and our stories are not told. Not everyone fully understands what a moral injury is. 
or traumatic brain injury. They don't understand. They they know what P, they heard of PTSD, but don't really know what it is. Mm-hmm. You know, they think that you have to be in combat in a tick to to have PTSD, but it's not true. What's a tick? Um, oh God, I just forgot what it was. But it's basically direct enemy combat. Firefight. Yeah, firefight. Yeah. Well, I, I you know. Yeah. We're, we're... It's like time in combat or something like that. Yeah. Um, somebody please tell me. <laughs> but uh, a tick is basically a firefight. And, you know, you don't have to be in a firefight to have PTSD. You don't have to get blown up. You don't have to be shot at, no. although we were. You know, we had several mortars thrown our way. Some of y'all remember that. Um, so, I mean, I still dream of those things. Um, I hear explosions and I duck behind cars. My wife thought I was insane. Hi, honey. She thought I was nuts. When I we were uh, when we first got together, we went to lunch, our breakfast. Came out of the diner. I didn't know at the time there was a reenactment of the court, a battle of Corridan, a block over. So I hear explosions, and I'm like looking frantically around, and I'm ready to duck under a car. And she's like, "What the hell is wrong with you? Let me tell you this." <laughs> and then she was like. Oh, wow. Okay. Well, if you don't know that, it's rather frightening. Yeah. Like I, it's like I've been, you know, it's 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 beyond startled. I don't know how to describe it to people, but sometimes things will grab you and put you in a place because you, then you think you're like right back over. Mm-hmm. And well, there were several times over the last few years that I've nine years now, nine years. Gosh, oh, ten years. Excuse me, ten years. 0809 mm-hmm. the last 10 years uh, yeah, there are still times time. there are still times 10 years later now that I still wake up looking for my weapon and my radio mm-hmm. well just out here in the garage she opened that thing and it made a loud pop and you turned your head mm-hmm. pretty quick well, and this is um, I guess what's interesting is that it's not just you no no it's not just me it's hundreds and hundreds of veterans uh, How just in our own brigade is hundreds and hundreds of veterans. I know. And you know, the funny thing is, I go to school, right? I go to Indiana University. Ah, yo. And um, I met, <laughs> shameless plug, um, and I went, Rocket I, Jose, I Rocket. meet these two guys. One I know is a veteran, and then I meet one of the cops that work there. I find out he is a veteran. Last Veterans Day, we all got together because they had like, pups on patrol or something like that so they're walking around the campus with puppies people to like mangle and stuff and we all three met up in the hallway and we started talking lo and freaking behold we were all in three one in Afghanistan at the same time we just didn't know each other because one was an S, one was an STB one was in 6-4 and we're 201st yeah so we're all there together well it's just like we just never knew it it's just like I, I got to talking to Derek Knapp that runs Restoration Ranch mm-hmm. And he was telling me about the corn gall. And I'm like, like what, a second. what do you know about the corn gall? What do you know about the corn gall? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's like, and then like, well, we were there. And probably, you know, man, walked right by each other on the defect. You know, this dining yeah. facility. Uh, right. It's, it's, and it's crazy because I want to go back to what you said. Like, I, I raised my hand to swear to, to defend. There's no service member that's like, has the ultimate, like, we are going to go out and defend the Constitution of the United States against this or that. We are told what to do in 
in in the in completion the, of that oath. We're the, told we're given orders. The warriors, uh, the, sorry, the uh, soldiers agree. You know, I'm a warrior, a member of a team. That's from day one. Yeah, it was. So, I mean, I, so Sand you, Hill, Fort Benning, Georgia, is where I started. You are not alone. So, we still carry that with us. You know, we are not alone. Well, that's one of the problems when you're yeah, on the way out is a lot of times you are alone or you feel alone. I know I felt very alone when I first got out. I had no idea what to do. I didn't know where to go. I just kind of sat at home. Yeah. <laughs> and you just don't have your getting, people. You getting fat. Um, <laughs> you know, I sat at home depressed getting fat. And um, I actually became a Freemason because I had this hole, you know, and that you only your brotherhood could fill that hole, mm-hmm. you know, in the same manner. Um, well, and and, and and which they have. Um, I've just kind of reclaimed this aspect of myself, you know, because you try. I don't know about you or anybody else, but when you first get out, you want to kind of leave that behind and become and kind of pick up your life where you left off. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can't. No, it's it's, it's impossible to just to decide <laughs> that like you're gonna. Oh, I want to go back. I remember moving back. Oh, before you, we leave the Freemasons, um, I, I love being a Mason. Oh, yeah. I, I've been part of that organization. I, I've loved it that they have allowed me to be part of the organization. You know, it's a. Um, so some people I've heard like, "Oh, you're a Mason!" Like that's especially in the religious world. I've heard, "Oh like, yeah, yeah, oh you're going to hell," and I'm like, "Well." Let's think about what the church has done. And, and and by the way, I haven't found anything in that organization that was devilish worship. No. I saw some people that are doing bad things. But guess what? I see that in the church. I see that in government. I see that and, and, in, in and, and you know what? More people, whatever organization it is. Right. More people have died in the name of God than for any other reason yeah. in human history. So let's not go there. <laughs> right? And I mean like it's so and so you so so like for me being part of the Masonic Brotherhood has been—it's been a real honor and a real privilege. And it's—it's it's really funny because wherever you go, and someone sees that you know square and compass, mm-hmm. you're automatically accepted. You're automatically looked after, regardless well, of where you are. And, and it's the, you meet, like you met the, that cop right. at your school. Yeah, instant bond. Well, yep. and there's something else there that's really cool about this fraternal organization. Mm-hmm. Is that anytime there's real love, there's also real accountability. And as a Mason, we've had I've had real accountability to a group of individuals that's helped me. And, and and just like any other thing, somebody has to stand up and say, "Hey, what's going on?" And that doesn't always happen in every group. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, there's exceptions to everything. But for me, in my house, we can say that this has not been a bad thing. And I hear you saying that. I just wanted to go back and say. We concur. As a matter of fact, on Monday, I go receive my fourth degree with the Scottish Rite. Awesome, man. So I'm starting another journey down another path. It's, if you want to be a Mason, just do it. <laughs> Highly recommend it. Um, it's, it's basically just furthering your Masonic education, learning more about being a Mason. Yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, this is 2019 is my year. I'm in beast mode. Uh, get my master's. I am master of the lodge. This year, which is a complete honor. Um, normally, it takes seven years. I did it in four. I had some amazing mentors, 
and people that just says, you know what, come on in. And I was accepted, no questions asked. Well, and, and you did the work, though. It's, oh, yes, it's, yes. It's not just no questions. We'll just put you over here. There's yeah. work to be done. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I, I did my part, and I, I feel I did it well. Um, there's this one individual, Pat Dugmore, uh, yeah, Doug Patmore, excuse me. Uh, he is actually working with Grand Lodge awesome. right now. Um, but they, they call me his little, uh, his little shadow because he's been there every step of the way. And um, I was the first person in my lodge because of him to become Rookie of the Year. Cool. You know, I just little different things like that because I just wanted to do more. Um, so now I've reclaimed my military line, lineage, and um, I'm trying to do the same. I'm trying to do more, trying to do better. Um, we're not alone. We're, we're... We're really not. This no. is, um, like this whole idea of the vet church thing, you know, it started out with me. You were the... I think you were the first soldier I ever visited. I think so. I, I was just going to pop in and spend the night. I wanted mm-hmm. to play some songs. And then you, you said, I'm coming with you. And we went and saw somebody else. Mm-hmm. And that's how the journey started. We went and saw Justin Touche. Mm-hmm. And then we saw... And then... Well, then you did the... Uh, I went national. and saw... Well, before I did the National Anthem, anthem I right. saw Jason Davis. Right. And then did the National Anthem. And then I played for Colonel White, who says to me... So how do we get you to go see everybody? I said, everybody? He's like, there's a lot of soldiers in the BSP. And he was like, <laughs> well, they're families too. Of course. And then and then you start thinking about, like, there's hundreds of thousands of veterans. And so this really started, it's really kind of crazy. Like, and I think this is the first time I've ever thought about this. Mm. So think this with me. I think through this with me a little bit. Brigade Support Battalion, 201st of the 3rd Brigade, 1st Infantry ID, mm-hmm. or 1st Infantry Division. Brigade Support Battalion. A support battalion gives support to the rest of the brigade. Mm-hmm. So we've started Vet Church. A vet Church isn't just Matt Williams. Right. It's not just Kate driving around. Vet Church has become all kinds of people, in the, and it really started with the folks in the BSB reaching out. We've cared for each other we're caring for Vietnam veterans Vietnam veterans have come alongside of us and cared for us as we attempted to care for one another and showed us how it's done Korean guys have done it World War II guys have done it Um, and and ladies I I say guys but I mean there's been ladies there's been spouses you you know what we mean hopefully (laughs) hopefully you know that's not something that we um, there's a there's a lot of uh, ageism uh, gender crap going on where people are being discriminated against racism is like it's weird still rampant it's, it's happening every day and but there's also love there's joy there's happiness there's kindness there's mm-hmm. compassion and we're it's a, as a brigade this little group of folks that are with me have really helped reach out and it is, it, it, to me, it's, it's astounding how many, like, we're still supporting each other, you know, and, 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 um, and not all of us are still enlisted. No. You know, the vast majority of us are out. They're out. And then, and, and it, all over the world. And what's cool is, like, guys like, uh, G, he, uh, I don't know if I should say his whole name, but he, um, G squared. He, he made, He's he's a war officer, and there's I, I can think of three or four war. I'm not I'm like, yeah, I'm not going to say all the names, but 
I'm, I am infinitely proud of all of them. I am too, man. Like I you feel know? like it's my success. When, yeah, uh, yeah. when a certain, he had been a major with us, yeah. and he made full bird curl and got a brigade. When he, when Colonel White told me that, I was like, what? I know, right? <laughs> I mean, it's just like... It was amazing. It's like our success. Yeah, yeah. Their success, it's like we were part of that, and... And then, and then it also makes me think, hey, we got to keep going on what we're doing. Mm-hmm. We have to continue to reach out and care for people, not because it's an ego trip, not because we're not getting any money for this mess. But we've maybe one day. Well, even then, it's going to go right back into doing more. Yeah, I mean that's what we're you know we will we will start going after money, but we're going to go after corporate dollars because as a nonprofit, as a nonprofit, because the the nation. We've got ideas how we can continue to care for people that are that don't involve like five hundred thousand dollar trips to the Bahamas. Yes. <laughs> other other organizations in the past. Let's yeah, just say that. Well, we've learned from some mistakes. Money, yes. We've learned from their mistakes. Let's just put it that way. And uh, but yeah, so he's alluding to the fact that we're trying to become an official nonprofit five hundred one c three. So we can get some of these corporate donations to help help do more music, help visit more veterans, help in any way we can. I mean, if, if a veteran needs a loan to help him get through the month, here's a hundred bucks. You know, whatever. I, I mean, stuff that churches do. Yes, the best we're, we're going yeah. to we're going to go under the idea of a church because I'm going to keep doing this. But I don't know that I'm always going to do the Sunday service. Hmm. But it's never going to go for much more than 10 minutes. It's never going to change. It's not going to be like we're going to beat people up about God. We're just going to, we're going to keep the... Because if, if we really believe in God, then we believe that if, if things are wrong, then God should be responsible and fix that. And that, that we are responsible as individuals for our own selves. I can't be responsible for you and you can't be responsible for me. But I can be responsible enough to make sure that I am loving you and that love always has accountability with it. So in a sense, you are, you are your brother's keeper. Yes, you are. We are our brother's keeper. And, and it's appropriate to weep with our brother's weep and to laugh when our brothers laugh and to, and to cry when they cry and to care for them when they're down and to lend a hand. That's all appropriate and it's what we've been doing and I think we're going to keep doing it. Hope so. I hope so. Yeah. And it's only been a couple of years and I've already seen the growth. Yeah. You know, people outside of us, people see this and see that it has value. They see it has merit mm-hmm. and they want to be involved. Um, even if it's just a company handing out their hot sauce. Dad sauce. You, you they know, have been so involved awesome. for us. Yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy. It's just these little things add up. Hey, and if you're watching this and you haven't tried that sauce yet. You should be shamed. Well, and, and, and if you can't find it, it's online. It's Dat Sauce LA. Dat Sauce LA from Louisiana. Dat and they got Dat, Dat Ketchup. Dat Ketchup. Don't that's, buy it that's on Amazon. Favorite. No, don't buy, buy it on Amazon. Website. Yes. Yeah. And, and yeah, because that's been, we've had, we've heard some stories yeah. from people coming back. And the other thing is like, so as soon as we get our bigger van, you know, we're selling our house so we can buy a, a Sprinter van. And then we'll, we'll go back and start carrying Dat Sauce again. Because I quit pulling the trailer. <laughs> I, at first, I was carrying that sauce everywhere, yeah. and then Kate and the little puppies here came with me. And uh, yeah, every time I saw it, you're like, "Here's some bat sauce." <laughs> well, and, and pretty, I've got like two or three at home. <laughs> well, pretty soon we got people eating it. 
Yeah. And then people are buying it. And it's like, and it's given back to an organization that's like, I can tell you for a fact, like, and, you know, the guy that owns is Scott and his Scott brother or, or his uncle and I mean, it's his cousin. I don't know. It's a big family. They all, and they own this thing. And they've done so much for veterans. Even even their kids have done stuff for veterans, reaching out, supporting us, um, doing things in ways that are all behind the scene. And all those folks, they wouldn't talk about it as right. much as I will. Right. Because I'm going to talk about how good they've treated us yeah. and cared for our tribe. And, yeah, and, and that's just one person. That, yeah. That's one corporate sponsorship, if you will. Yeah. Um, there are many, many other avenues. Well, and there's, um, there's groups like the Last Funky Talk Music Series. As a series artists all over the country have done stuff for veterans on the side that nobody's ever going to know about because they're not going these are folks that are, are you know if we don't talk about it nobody else will nobody else will and I think it's the right thing to do to be to be thankful for, to be caring our tribe needs to say hey thank you thank you for taking care of us and um, and then there's the veteran service groups mm-hmm. the VSOs organizations I think VSO that have reached out and cared for veterans and said hang on a second we're going to learn from this mistake over here with this organization or that organization and and yet at the same time when I looked around the country I saw the religious aspect of the country being so divided and and so that church is kind of rising above denominational standards and saying do you care for veterans you know do you appreciate who veterans are? Not who you think they should be, who they can become later on. If they Accept us for who we are. If you accept them for who they are and you appreciate what they've tried to do and you have veterans in your community, then that, to my mind, that's a veteran's safe place. And we need that. We're killing ourselves at 22 a day. And that hasn't changed no. in, in years. I, I actually, part of my thesis, I was doing research, and I found the original report that that came from, yeah. that statistic came from. It hasn't changed. We're still doing this on average. Yeah. Yep. You know, um, some years is a little lower, some years a little higher, but on average, 22 a day. Um, that's... Way. It's, it's staggering. It, what is it? I mean, you said a year? Like 8,000 8, plus veterans are killing themselves. They're not... When you think about it, like, there's Asian Orange, there's burn pits, there's yeah. cancers of all kinds of weird things have cropped up. There's folks that have like you know they've lost limb and leg and mm-hmm. and then there's age. I mean, people die. You're yeah, gonna yeah. get old. You're gonna die. I mean, there's there's no 300 year olds walking around. So eventually Not we're all in there. there. Yeah, yeah, that, that we know. What about the Bigfoot dude? Um. <laughs> so, so um, the uh, if you think about it, what drives a person to to hopelessness? And it's a myriad of things. Yeah. And one of the things I think that's so valuable to stopping that is when we come together and say, hey, I love you, man. Or, I don't necessarily love you. But I'm here for you. But I'm here for you. Or, hey, how are you doing? Like, the, another approach. Like, forget about the like the movie, ooey-gooey stuff. Just be like, hey, man, let's go fishing. Or let's get together. Like, we've doing these barbecues. Mm-hmm. People are like... I know uh, Steve Ray. Hey. Um, we just, every so often, we're like, hey, how you doing? Mm-hmm. You yeah. know, just to check in to make it's sure, you know... It's the slightest bit of that um, accountability that we're talking about that mm-hmm. comes with true love. And it's just like the, it's mere, that you, uh, there's a guy named C.S. Lewis, pretty good author. Um, He's wrote a couple of things. His, one of the books that I liked the most was Out of the Silent Planet. But 
one of the books that got me to thinking that I don't need to defend God or anything else was a book called Mere Christianity. And then I, I got to thinking, like, we're talking about mere Christianity, like so the base bones. What's mere love? Just picking up the phone and saying, hey, Steve, what's going on? Yeah. Mere. It's the, it's the, it's just the beginning of the whole thing. It's like, um, in some ways, like, I, I would never encourage anyone to sell their house and live in a van and travel around. I would say that that is the craziest move you could make. And yet, here I am. Yeah, here you are. And, um, with, it, with Kate and Toe. I know. Like, I, <laughs> like, how did she just, she called me up and came. I didn't, like, I tried to talk her into it, but then I've learned a long time ago that, like, not next week, but the following week, we'll be married 21 years. And in 21 years of marriage, I can tell you one thing. Kate's her own person. <laughs> I can't make her do anything. or I can't really even, the more I try to convince her to do something, the less likely she's do it. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just... Don't push me. <laughs> I've been trying for Disney World at Christmas for like oh God. 20 years of marriage. It ain't happening. We might get to Disney <laughs> World at another Sam time. If you with us, then I'll go. Oh, okay. <laughs> but it's all about Christmas. It's about family. Yeah. And so, like, I would be like, well, we'll go with the family, then we'll head to Disney World. Okay, he was like, no, we won't. We're going to sit right here with the family. <laughs> And that's what we do, and it's a good time. I'm not, I'm not upset about it, but I learned that you can't just, you can't badger. Nah. It's your spouse, you know. I mean, actually, funny thing is, years ago, I think 2005, 2006, something like that, um, Regis and Kathy Lee, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 sent an invite out to local units in Florida to come march in the Christmas Day parade at Disney. Yeah, and the trade-off was. After the parade's over, the park is yours. Whoa. Hell yeah, I went. Did you do that? Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Because Disney is not cheap. No, no um, it's not. Man. The food is not cheap. No, yeah. The place to stay in is not cheap. Like, it's... It is a tourist trap. It is the definition of a tourist trap. And it's awesome. Other than, like, south of the border. I went when I was yeah. a And if you've ever driven down 95, you know what I'm talking about. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have you ever been there? South of the border? No, it's a kid. It's such a cheesy little place that it's like, it's so catchy that it's cool. You know? Well, it, okay, there was there was a, um, what was it? A snake farm. There was some, uh, one of those alligator farms. Alligator near, farms. Near, near south of the border. Yeah, yeah. And um, as a kid, I got to go to all that. You know, and I got to go to Disney World. And SeaWorld, we did that. And I don't know how my parents put up with it because we were poor. But we did all that stuff. But things were a lot cheaper back then. They were cheaper. They were yeah. way cheaper. <laughs> I mean, yeah, like one of my friends took it. We were talking and he said, well, we were at Fort Hood. And he took his family to, you know, took leave. They went to Disney World. Came back and said, well, how much did you spend? He said, $7,000. Yeah. Of course, he's got some kids. But that, that's getting out cheap. $7,000. Yeah. And they've been, but it's, they had saved for it, too. And it's 100 bucks a head just to get into Disney. Yeah. Just to get into the park. That's one park. And that doesn't include all the rides and everything. No. And there's still like Epcot and all the other parks around Disney that you can go to yeah, that are Disney-esque. I want to go to one. Mm-hmm. I went to Universal Studio once. Oh, good times. Awesome. Good times. Yeah. See, you know, now that we're doing film and stuff, like, oh, man. Like, really my brother go goes to Universal every Halloween for Halloween Horror Nights. 
I bet that's cool. Yeah, he's been going for like the last like ten years. Do you still have family October. down there? In, in I have uh, I have a half sister and my sister. I believe my mom is still down there. Um, she left. She moved back to Puerto Rico, uh, but left Puerto Rico after Hurricane Maria. And she's just like chilling in Florida right now until she figures out well, the next step. Hey, that brings up something. Right. So I've worked with, oh, I mean, from basic training on, I've worked with guys and ladies from Puerto Rico. In fact, when I was the acting brigade chaplain for just a smidget of time in Afghanistan, I felt like we were swamped. And a guy, I remember his first name was Jesus, because I was like, Jesus is here. And he didn't think that was he funny. He didn't think that. But... <laughs> But, it's, um, it's just like if you say, Jose, can you see? Yeah. <laughs> like, I haven't heard that 50 times a but, month. But he was from a reserve unit in Puerto Rico, and he came over and um, helped us out in the Corner Girl Valley. You know, and he was he was one of the guys that said, hey, I'll, I'll go do that. And so I've worked with all these guys from Puerto Rico, and um, and you wrote a really interesting piece. Now, now you know, we don't tear down the government and say, that's not what we're about. I do. But but on the side you did in this in this thing because you you it was it, a, it was an opinion piece it was an opinion piece but it wasn't really tearing down the government it was like hey here's some real constructive criticism yeah and without constructive criticism you can't go we yeah, can make change the title of the article was uh, we're your citizens too and it was just all about how Puerto Rico is still suffering it is you know, a year later at the time that I wrote it um, we're still suffering today. I mean, if you've been watching the news at all, you notice that uh, the governor just resigned over a uh, flurry of messages that he and his staff shared that were misogynistic, derogatory, uh, just outright mean, mean stuff. And uh, the, let me see if I get this right, the Center for Investigative Journalism in Puerto Rico published... 900 pages of these messages. That's a lot of messages. Puerto Ricans got pissed. Worldwide. <laughs> and at first, at first images were coming out of Puerto Rico with um, fires burning in the background, barricades, pepper spray, cops. and Was any of that happening? Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I'm from Puerto Rico, so yeah, yeah, you know, no. my heart, you know, so Puerto you know, forever, I'll always be Puerto Rican, and that broke my heart. It really broke my heart, considering we were fighting so hard just to get the people that died after Hurricane Maria to be recognized. Now we're fighting ourselves. So this, it, it threw like this, this governor, because I, I saw the thing too. Yeah, I, I yeah. don't, I don't read news, you know that. But I go and look at the headlines every once in a while, and I saw that headline. And um, and I thought I knew you were coming. I was actually going to ask you offline, but it just it kind of came up. Yeah. So um, so now what's happening? Thousands of people took to the streets and protested. They wanted him out. So at first he said, "Okay, I won't seek re-election. I'll just serve out the remainder of my term. It's about a year and a half." The next day, I think they said several thousand people shut down a highway in San Juan they were not playing um, they continued the protest in the rain they didn't leave finally yesterday he resigned officially well he's an elected official right yeah 
And he's being derogative. And and two of the people that he had conversations with that are fully documented um, had already quit. They already resigned. They saw right. They saw the right on the wall. <laughs> um, he was like, "No, I'm not going to quit." He was very resistant against the idea, which I can understand. But you's a bad boy. You got to go. Yeah. Um, so he went. Well, see, leadership really involves serving the people that you are leading. I mean, like we can we can we can talk about all kind of like in every industry from the military. To McDonald's, there are leaders who stood up and have served. There are leaders and there's bosses, and, and there's a difference. Mm-hmm. There's a huge difference, mm-hmm. and a, and a boss gets you know. In, in the he, he commands from on high. Well, and so a friend of mine used to work in the prison system, mm-hmm. and people say, "All right, boss," and he said, you, they, "The guards wouldn't let anybody call him boss," and I said, "Why?" So. Take that an acronym backwards. Sorry, son of a. <laughs> so, so a boss is not. It's not a good. It's not good leadership. It's not this like servitude. And what what I wanted to say was like, I, so I worked with so many people from Puerto Rico, and. Um, yeah. Sorry about the tangent. <laughs> It's, it's not like you're not involved. You know, that's one of our rules. Yeah. You, you can talk about religion and politics to the degree you're involved, and you're involved in that because it's not like you wrote the piece. You're um, actually won second place from the Society of Professional Journalists no this year for that article. That. Yeah. That's awesome. It was like last month I just won it. Cool. Yeah. Well, it, like, it's tough to be, like, you're not this guy. Like, I've never experienced you. As a guy that wanted to stand up and just berate people, not normally. Well, no, I mean, but I mean, <laughs> I've been known to once or twice. You know? My overall experience of you is just like you, no. you experience me. Like you can you can go back and look at videos and see. Even on a Sunday, there's been times I'm doing it because I've got to do it, mm. not because I've got to, but because I have to for me. But I'm not happy at the moment. Oh well, it comes out. Mm-hmm. I and you know what? That's just life. I've seen a couple ones where you're a little bitter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> but that's people, like... People, part of that is what they like is that you're real. Like, yeah. You don't hide that. Yeah. yeah. And, I'm, and I'm not going to start hiding it. I, I think when I think about serving others, I think about what I bring to the table and I bring Matt to the table. I don't have this spick and span polished guy to mm-hmm. bring to the table. I have a guy that's coachable, that's learnable, and is also a hot mess sometimes. And so you just, you got to bring it all. Yeah. But it's okay to be a hot mess. It is. There's nothing wrong with that. But it it took me years to figure that part out. That it's okay. Yeah. Um, Who did that song? Was it Lance? Oh, Lance Dubrock. Yeah. Did he do that song that it's it's okay? To love me. To love me, yeah. To love myself. I'm I'm learning to love myself. I heard that song and I just like got goosebumps all over. I was like, whoa, that's a little... uh, Close to the hot day, you know? <laughs> well, it's hard to love oneself. Yeah, yeah. It is. I mean, I've done it some is. boneheaded moves. I've I spent years self-loathing myself. Yeah. Know, <laughs> and, and self-loathing. And, and I think we all have at one point or another. Well, and, and I think that that's what, when we say vet church, what does a vet church offer? I don't offer the simple plan of salvation because it's not simple. I mean, 
if you think about Christ dying, that's not simple. I'm saying, and those that do offer it are selling you snake oil. Well, and, and well, there's people that offer that that, that uh, are genuine and careful. There are some snake oil. It's it's this big mess. Mm-hmm. But I can't do it authentically because there's nothing simple about loving. There's nothing simple about laying down your life for a brother. There's nothing simple about when I raised my hand. There's nothing simple about my relationship with a lady over 21 years, and she's there the whole 12 and a half years of this military service. There's There was nothing simple for her. Like, Kate was stuck wherever I went, whatever happened. Um, when I was enlisted, she was stuck being an enlisted man's wife. When they told us to move, and she had to leave her job that she liked, she was stuck. And because... She couldn't just stay in Germany. They were kicking around. Probably that was probably one of the best paying jobs you ever had. Eighteen dollars an hour in two thousand two. Tax free, eighteen dollars an hour in two thousand and two. So, when are we going back? <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully, it's gone up. Dude, I was I was a specialist at the time, and Kate was making more money than me. It uh-huh. was so nice because we went on vacation all of a sudden. <laughs> well, like two day vacations because your boss. Still. You know, I, you, you, at least we could. Hey, but I have a question for Jose. Go ahead. Uh oh. Why did you join the army? <sighs> for that answer, we have to go back. Growing up in Brooklyn, New York, my apartment building faced east, but if I looked south, I could see airplanes landing and taking off from Kennedy Airport. So I always loved airplanes. I love anything that had to do with space program, or flying, anything. I didn't care. I just wanted to work on planes, touch them every day. Uh, so I originally joined the Air Force in 1986 after high school graduation. I'm dating myself. And um, went to the Air Force, and I was a, lack of a better term, weapon specialist. Um, I loaded nuclear weapons on B-52s in Upper Michigan. Kid from, kid from New York in the UP. What was I thinking? Um, so then I did my stint there and I went to the reserves and I became a jet engine mechanic. Still touching planes. Um, loved it. But then in 1999, I won the New York Lotto, five out of six numbers, got a couple thousand, moved to Florida. Did so, you really? You won the lottery? Yeah, yeah. Totally. And then, um, so I transferred. Like lost. <laughs> <laughs> so then I transferred my reserve status to Florida and I went back doing weapons. So I did like 50 cals, 240s, uh, 9mm, M4s, um, all that kind of stuff. And then um, I saw bad times were coming. So I wanted to go back active duty. And as an E6, at the time, they were like, no, we can get five brand new E1s for the price of you. Because it was me, a family, my rank, my years. They're like, no, you're too expensive. So I talked to the Army. I said, yeah, we'll take you. So I joined the Army, 2007. Went to Fort Sill for the Gentleman's Boot Camp, (laughs) which was was a a four-week kind of... uh, orientation course if you will hey I wouldn't trade Benning for nothing man (laughs) (laughs) hey you know I had a good time at Silva I had a good time so I've met two of my buddies we're still friends to this day Uh, Sean Knudsen and Nick Morales Um, 
these are the kinds of guys that I can call at two in the morning and say, I'm in jail, come get me. No questions mm-hmm. asked, they'll, they'll, they'll come get you. Yep. You know. Um, so yeah, and it's ironic because he, uh, Nick, or Mo, as we call them, he was an NCO for the um, public relations mm-hmm. on Fort Myer with the old guard. Awesome. So he worked every day with the old guard. He had to go through their course. Oh, wow. To learn everything that they do. So um, I've got pictures of him, like, all, pow, you know. Like, damn, diesel. <laughs> um, but he has a story of his own, and I would love to, like, meet you guys together one day, because he was in Fallujah in Iraq. Oh, he, boy. He, he was a Marine, originally. Yeah. And he was in Fallujah, and the battle tactic at the time that he was in was get to the house, kick into the door, throw in two frags. Once they go off, go in, shoot anybody who's left, next house. That was the battle tactic. That, that was the rule, <laughs> rules of engagement. It was no joke. And he still suffers to this day because of all that. Yeah. Um, he had to do a lot of different treatments and stuff. He's good. He's good. But, you know, sometimes, like all of us, you know, we get pulled back. And, yeah, it's up and down. Um, yeah, yeah. But anyway, yeah, that's my Army story. And then, you know, basically, I, I, 2007, August, went to boot camp. Went to AIT, became a fueler at uh, Fort Lee in Virginia, learned to pass gas, <laughs> got to uh, oh boy. got to Hood, and they wanted to send me to NTC the next day. Yeah, yeah, because you got because, to, we were going to NTC. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember. I was they, I was over. There. Everyone was already on their way out, and they're like, "Oh yeah, pack your bags, go to see." I'm like, "What the hell is NTC? I don't even know where I am right now, dude. Give me a minute." Uh, but they didn't send me. Instead, they put me in charge of the orderly room. What the hell do I know about Army paperwork? (laughs) In in the Army, what you know about something is irrelevant. Apparently. I I learned quickly. Um, So I ran the orderly room before deployment. Deployed. I ran the orderly room downrange. And um, my uh, commander, Captain Kolas, and... and, um, First soldier were like, hey, we want you to go to the board. I said, no. And they're like, why the F don't you want to go to the board? And I said, if I go to the board and I get promoted, I cannot in good conscience lead soldiers when I've never done my job. Oh, yeah, because you had been... You, you, I was you HAC the whole time. duty the whole time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so the next week I was in Alpha Company. And that was awesome. Yeah, so... And well, then, and then, uh, yeah, insanity ensued. Well, and I think that's one of the reasons I, I you know, when you were interviewing me, you referred to that, me mm-hmm. calling you a, a gatekeeper. And I think part of that goes back to the fact that you understood that even paperwork was real important. Oh, yeah. It was super. And, and then you had, you're not just a kid. You did all this time before you even came with us to Afghanistan. I actually did 21 years in the Air Force first between active and reserve. And then I came to the Army. So I came to the Army with this, like, already built-in way of being, mm-hmm. which was a benefit for them, I guess. Um, well, it's been a benefit for all of us because at this point, you know, like, when we, when we talk about our tribe and, and, like, and looking at veterans as a whole and then Vet Church coming alongside and hopefully inspiring groups across the country, not just the individual's, but also 
churches and not just churches and those kind of organizations, but mm-hmm. businesses. I mean, we, we've talked about veteran-owned businesses. There's hundreds of thousands of veteran-owned businesses mm-hmm. that don't even know that they're they're doing the same kind of work. And they're not even in competition because of regional stuff. Right. And they could be sharing best practices. Yep. They could be networking together more and more and more. And But for things like that, we need an organization that will bring everyone together and that's what, at the same table. What we hope we're doing here. Because that's the that's the idea. Vet Church Conference coming along. Yeah, baby. And, well, and, and I'd like to see. I'd like to see. I don't know if we call it moral injury conferences or vet church conferences, but I'd like to do one in every state in the United States. Where we start bringing people together. Is it too much to ask? I mean, like, let's you, you cut down like the price of, eh, you know, hundred bombs. Yeah, and then and then there's other stuff like the whole. Um, there's, there's industries that have helped us out and that we're helping out. Mm-hmm. Veterans have been very outspoken about the cannabis industry. Well, maybe the cannabis industry comes alongside and helps us build this thing. Obviously, um, there's enough churches already involved across denominational spectrums who are also embracing the cannabis industry mm-hmm. as we have realized that the, the opioid crisis that's taking place in America, and you can just Google opioid crisis and see... That even the doctors were duped. Mm-hmm. It wasn't just, you know, like, I don't think that most of the doctors that were like, here, Matt, take these pills. You still take some pills. That's what they were um, I've totally moved to CBD. Where in, in states where it's legal, I'll actually sleep better that night every time. And, um, and I'm a responsible individual. I'm not some, I'm not some like, you pothead hanging out and just get See, and, and, and you're lucky because like even though it's legal in Indiana CBD oil I'm still paranoid to take it because, and I'm in pain every day every minute yeah. if it's not my neck it's my back if it's not my back it's my head you well, know, I get Botox injections for headaches which is why I look so young <laughs> and wrinkle free <laughs> shameless plug <laughs> <laughs> And um, you're behind the camera, dude. Don't worry about it. (laughs) And and you know, it's like I would love to try it, but I know the moment I do, I'll get piss tested and get put in jail or something, and then I'll get deported. You know, it's just all these things run in my mind, and it's like, is it worth it? Not right now. The people who are active duty, the people that work in certain jobs in certain fields, um, there's CBD without anything, right? No, and and I'm not an I'm not an expert. At that at all, as, as far as the yeah, it's not out that anything is out the THC. Mm-hmm. We met a guy, and um, we did. We we talked with a, a guy that was in in Nashville who sat down with us. I was on Sunday, and I was out, and I was hurting because I've been walking the floors of Nam, mm-hmm. trying to tell people about that church, get some sponsors, and learn how to do music better. Because as soon as we get the bigger van, I'm bringing my electric gear. That, <laughs> you know. Cause I got these pedals and I can do more, you know, like I can do I remember more that great. pedal set you have, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's like I love playing with that stuff, but with Kate and the dogs and trying to sleep in one van, oh, yeah. it's not like throwing it in the back of the truck and doing a show. So we walked around, we talked, and I, and I was hurting. And Kate said, well, when was the last time you took CBD? And we were like, man, it's been five or six days. So it's like out of my system. Yeah. And so I went and we got some, and within three days, like, I'm good. But... This guy started talking to us. Like, there's stuff that, that there's something called CBN. There's a whole like the CBN will help you get to sleep. You know, it'll help you reset your REM cycle. 
but I'm not a doctor. You haven't tried it yet. You haven't and, tried it yet. And I'm, yeah, and as you know, and you've heard me say this over and over, and I hope all y'all have heard me say it and mm-hmm. think about what I'm saying. Don't just walk away from the the person giving you pills. You don't. That will kill you as quick mm-hmm. as as quick as an alcoholic trying to just cold turkey stop drinking. So what you have to do is you go and you walk with a doctor through this procedure. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you go to talk to somebody about CBD, go talk to somebody who knows. They're they're in these little shops all over the nation. Yeah. Some shops are more legitimate than the others. And I can tell you this: anything that's that's cheap, you get what you pay for. If you're buying something mm-hmm. cheap. It's not, in my mind, it's not real. It hasn't worked for me. I've spent just a little bottle like that. It's like a hundred bucks. It'll last a month and a half for me or a month. But it, it takes my pain away. Like I can actually yeah. walk around. I mean, you know, I'm still not yeah. out running down the road. Yeah, if you pay 20 bucks a bottle, you're going to get 20 bucks a bottle. <laughs> That's it. I mean, it, it's just it, like. It's going to cost you. At least, from my experience, what I've seen around, it's 70 on up. Yeah, yeah, the good stuff. Yeah, I paid. Yeah. I literally paid what one hundred and twenty dollars. And as a veteran, the the guy was like, "Here, let's get you a break." I think you know, the over veteran discount. It was huge. It was like twenty five percent. Twenty five percent. I love it. And I paid one hundred and twenty dollars. So whatever that other twenty five percent was. Wow. Looking at me across, you know, you know, I showed him my ID card, and he said, "You know what? I we appreciate what you did for this country. We appreciate who you are." And so they they cut you this check, and like that's. You know, they're not writing you a check, but they're cutting it off the, the price, right, right. and it's legit, man. And when I see that, you know, I, I hear people say, "Well, we're we're veteran friendly." What are you really doing for veterans? Talk to us about your veteran friendly program. Yeah, yeah. Hey, there, Lincoln, how are you, buddy? Well, do you want to talk about? You said insanity ensued once you got to Alpha Do you want to talk about that? Oh, it was just crazy because. Yeah, let's let's go back for a moment, and um, <laughs> it's like, wait a minute. remember we don't tear nobody down here. <laughs> oh no no no! The, <laughs> the people firing cases. No, no, like, tell pe- us about the insanity. <laughs> the people I was with were great, hands down, but they weren't the people that I bonded with. You know, prior to deport, no, the deporting, Deploy. deploying, <laughs> <laughs> one track mind, and so it was. I had to basically start building those bonds downrange. And when they have already all been bonded together, so me and Shavaye were like the last two to come in, and we had to um, we had to build these relationships, and um, we were doing that. We were doing the fueling thing, which was great. It wasn't hard, you know. Uh, then I went on on our leave, and when I came back, KBR took over the fuel pit. I remember that. It's, I remember that like it was yesterday. Yeah. It took over all fueling operations. So what do you do with, a, with about a dozen troops with nothing to do? Oh, let's make him QRF. Which Quick reaction well. force. So we were given like rocket launchers and flex cuffs and some Humvees. And we became this police force. I mean, you knew how to use all that stuff. It's not just like, well, yeah. a rocket. But it's, <laughs> but it's still like, wait, this isn't what I came on for. You yeah. know, this isn't my job. But, but that's okay, the, fine. That is the military, though. <laughs> well, that's the Army. The, the Air Force. The Air Force is different? The Air Force, all you do is your job, day in, day out. That's it. Really? Yeah. If Are you, you serious? Like, yes. My job was to load bombs, not fill out paperwork. 
that's somebody else's job. Just like it's not their job to load the bombs. See, if you're admin, if you're admin, you're admin. That's it. If you're finance, you're finance. That's it. Well, you met Dan, my drummer, right? Yeah, yeah. He he talked about like so. I asked him one day. I said, "What did you do?" He said, "I was a transportation expert." I said, "What does that mean?" He said, "Well, everything on the base that's not a plane, I drove. By the time my career was over, like I was in charge of like making sure all the vehicles were running on this one post where base." wherever he was at so the Air Force is different I guess yes yes there's a different mentality behind it and there's also and this is where you start comparing branches is that there's I feel there's a higher level of professionalism in the Air Force than there is in the Army but there's also a higher level of camaraderie in the Army than the Air Force Mm -hmm. and it's kind of weird to see it because you can't really explain it you have to experience it and you have to be part of both branches to do so. And um, it was weird, you know, trying to, like, put this Air Force kid in this Army mold. Well, it's a different mission, for one thing. Totally. Totally. And, and you know, like the... I mean, I learned quickly that every... The term, every man's an infantryman, I learned that, like, day two of basic training. And I really didn't fully understand that until we deployed. They, they had, here's a gun what am I going to do with that don't let it go off in the field <laughs> don't, don't, let it, don't drop it don't let it get dirty don't drop it you know? um, so yeah it's, it was, it's a different mentality you know when um, I was in the Air Force when I went to Iraq and I was in charge of all the weapons so I had cases of M4s that were just like there we didn't hand those things out we were Air Force. What the hell are we going to do with a weapon? We had them there. <laughs> and this one kid, Javier, I'll never forget him. I shouldn't call him a kid. He's a grown-ass man. But he was a uh, prior Marine, former Marine, excuse me, former Marine. And he would come up to me right before he we went to Iraq and says, when am I getting my weapon? <laughs> he was ready for that thing. When am I getting a weapon? And then he asked me about bayonets. I'm like, dude, we're the Air Force. If we have to fix bayonets, we've already lost. <laughs> no. Well, it's kind of funny you say that because, like, I guarantee the Javier today is like, where's the weapon? No, no. Today to, and this day, even though he served in both the Air Force and the Marines, mm-hmm. this day he's like, I'm a Marine. Oh yeah. Once a Marine, always a Marine. I mean, like that. I've never met a Marine that was like, I'm like you're not in the military. Your hair's like down to here. You like still a Marine. If you cut me, if you cut me, I bleed Air Force Blue. That's just yeah. I mean, I enjoyed my time with the Army for the most part. Thank you for staying. There were some parts I was like, "What the f?" But um, I met some amazing people, friends for life. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had experiences that I really wouldn't trade. There's a couple I would, but you know, for the most part, I, I wouldn't trade some of the experiences. So I'm grateful for the to the Army. Um, but I'll always be blue. Yeah. Always Air Force blue. Hey, well, um, I know we, we're, we're at our, over our mark. So, um, yeah, who cares? Well, like, okay, so, <laughs> but I want, I want to, like, focus back in a little bit. So, yes, yes, yes. I was just finishing her, her answer. I know. <laughs> Kate likes to prod on in there. But, yeah, that was the insanity that I meant. It was just, like, from, yeah. from one thing to the next to the next, and I was like, wait a minute, let me breathe. Well, on here. Sergeant Holden said, I did everything. Yeah, he yeah, did. Yeah. He did. I can't, I've got to do, 
We've got to do one of these things with you, Sergeant Holman. Yes. He, when I got to the unit, here's the E6. Now, we're standing up. I get it. You know, mm-hmm. there were, their bodies hadn't arrived on the ground. But if you wanted anything done, anything. I mean, the colonel wanted something done, whoever it was. And, yep. and you didn't know how to do it immediately. Everybody turned to Sergeant Holman. Everybody. He, he was like the undercover first sergeant. For a sergeant major, I swear sergeant to God. Major, yeah. He was the undercover sergeant major because he, you could always go to him for anything. Sergeant Which, major, he, would go to him. Yeah, hey, can you get this done? Sergeant Major Morris. <laughs> I remember uh, it was Sergeant Holden that supplied the Wi-Fi to us when we were down there. Yeah, because we, nobody else could figure no, out how to get could, it. Yeah. So, so he got a hold <laughs> of he got a hold yeah, of yeah. and they figured yeah, some yeah. deal out, and, and it was like cell phone speed but it worked and yep. we had like these block hours and it was just crazy but we had internet do you, do you know that man owns him and his wife own the best Thai food restaurant that to date Matt Williams now now I've had some Thai cooking mm-hmm. there's another buddy of mine his mom is one of the best Thai cooks I've ever had See, but I'm at her good. house but at their restaurant if you go to Columbus Georgia outside of Fort Benning Sarn Holman owns the Thai house. Is it called the Thai house? Mm-hmm. It's called the Thai house. You go in there, his wife, Dang, will cook, I mean, and him and, him and his wife do prepare all this food, and then she's got, you know, she's in the back doing the cooking, and Sergeant Holder's kind of... He's holding down a fork. Holding down a fork. Well, he doesn't... It, it blows me away how much, how many, um, they feed homeless. They do all this crazy stuff. I, I never knew what was involved in a restaurant. Until I met Sarah I've actually never had Thai food. What? Well, yeah. If you want to have it, you should go there. But I'm always looking for Puerto Rican restaurants. <laughs> there are certain f- there are certain flavors <laughs> that we crave. It's like our blood, and like like cilantro. Mm. My wife hates it. I'll eat it off the plant. <laughs> so I love cilantro, <laughs> and and but it's like you know it's you're always looking for the flavors that you grew up with. Mm-hmm. Nostalgia, whatever, but I never, not many Thai restaurants in in, in Puerto Rico. Cilantro, so, sometimes they use it. Yes, they do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm slowly expanding my palate. Um, I tried some bibimbap here locally, and isn't that Korean? It's just mm-hmm. Korean, yeah. And um, she's from Korea, and the staff, the cooking staff at least, is from Korea. I think she is. The owner is too. Um, great people, great restaurant, and amazing food. Even their miso soup mm-hmm. is just like, what? Mm. I'll drink this with a straw. <laughs> I'm classy. <laughs> you know? I don't care. I don't care. I have no shame. Hey, that's, that's another thing. For, for, for most of us veterans, we have no shame. Oh, yeah. I think we're all eating pretty well. Except for Colonel White. But he burns that stuff off. He does like tough mutters and. I heard he's doing a race tomorrow morning. <laughs> he is just him and him and Liz. Liz are just like yeah. CrossFit junkies. Yeah. I I start sweating thinking about it. Right. <laughs> well, he's he's gonna. Um, I think he's gonna hook me up to do a veteran interview with a guy in the CrossFit world who has been. Is he number two in the world or something like that? Yeah, but he's been helping. So what they do is they do these t-shirts. Mm-hmm. I'm hearing, I'm picking up a radio channel right now on this thing. Oh, okay. 
I thought it was Secret Service for a second there. No, no, I'm picking up like it's country music playing playing in the background. Oh my God. I, I don't know if it's going to show up on here. But it's <laughs> Big Brother listening is what it is. <laughs> well, so NSA. What, so what? Uh, <laughs> what? Um, so Colonel Matt was telling me about this guy. So they sell these CrossFit T-shirts mm-hmm. and they go around the country and they find veterans who are like us, endowed, doing well. <laughs> and, and, but but dude, the problem is like for me, I can't do CrossFit. That's not going to happen. Yeah. As much as I would like to, every once in a while I start feeling good. I have like five days and I say to Kate, maybe I should try to run. And she's like, oh, no. no. We've tried this already. They put you back in the hospital. But um, but what this guy does is he does find some of the folks that are out. They sell these t-shirts. And then they buy them a membership to the CrossFit. Like, so we'll, we'll pay for the first three, three months or something. They reconnect them to a part of their history because working out the history mm-hmm. of the Marines, the Air Force, the Navy, the Coast Guard. Apparently the, the Coast Guard because that guy... Did you see the dude? If, if y'all haven't seen the video, find it. <laughs> this dude is Diesel, jumps on a sub, <laughs> and, oh, he's in, and he's in the Coast Guard. Hey, He just put everybody to shame right there. <laughs> Navy, Navy SEALs are like, damn! <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's funny. Somebody, so Kate's cousin... Um, both and and his wife and his wife's full time Coast Guard, mm-hmm. and he's um, Coast Guard Reserves, mm-hmm. and so we have like and Josh is uh, and, and yeah and and our other cousin yeah. is a full time Coast Guard and he's a mechanic man he can like fix anything, um, he's giving me tips on how to get like three or four more gallons a mile, uh, or three or four miles per gallon yeah yeah and um, but yeah like I they're they're some really tough individuals yeah. And I've just been like, I've known this for a bit, right? And then you hear these jokes, and it's like, man, that's not my cousin, man. He'd, he'd whoop you in a heartbeat. But, but they're also kind. Cause, you know, I mean, it's like the whole thing. It's like this, and it's a different mission. It comes back to this idea of what's yeah, yeah. the mission. Like the and it's funny because, yeah, because like the Air Force generally is to drop bombs and kill people. But my last unit that I served with in the Air Force was combat search and rescue. Really? The job of the unit was to go behind enemy lines and rescue pilots or whoever needs to be rescued Um, we've been credited for saving Jessica Lynch the National Guard girl that was captured oh okay sorry we we rescued her name but I was like we rescued her my unit rescued her Um, we were credited for you remember the movie Lone Survivor Mm -hmm. Mark Wahlberg Uh, I haven't seen it but I know about it we saved him we rescued him so we did some like some high profile stuff. There was uh, recently one about a German ship that was like just like not abandoned, but it was disabled offshore. Blah blah blah, and like one of the people that worked for public affairs or something like that knew German, so he flew her out there to help rescue these Germans off this boat that was like going down and everything. And so you've been part of some cool stuff. I've done some cool stuff, you know, and and. I've always been the kind of like behind the scenes person. I don't like the spotlight. It's not my thing. I don't like you the nuts. I'd rather be behind stage, you know. <laughs> Making things happen. That that's my thing. Um but yeah, I've I've Well you're doing some of that now too. Yeah, I'm doing some of that now. I can't too. wait till you're done with this little Me and you both. <laughs> <laughs> Different reasons. <laughs> I just well, wanna watch it. Yeah, you're gonna have to squeeze 
it down into 15 minutes, but you could make a special version, an extended version. I thought about that as well, yeah. <laughs> because I think if the people want more, I'll have to give it to them. So I have a feeling there'll be a couple of versions. Yeah. Well, and, and I would like, you know, it, you're definitely part of this whole vet church thing. And, and as we... We've applied for corporate incorporation. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to apply for 501c3 status, and then everything we do once once you know once we get the incorporation granted, we won't even do one of these without signing a waiver because we're going to start we're going to we're going to deal with it just like any other business. And um, because we live in a, a Sue happy society where people L- litigious want, litigious, that's right. And um, college education. Well. And here's one point, and I don't, I don't want to get wrapped up in that litigation. Of course not, of course. <laughs> but, um, uh, but I, I like. There's other things to do. There's more valuable, and we have to be responsible for our own lives. Like the idea of doing these stories, and nobody making any money on this. It ain't going to. This is about our life. It's, it's a labor of love. Well, and it, it really is. Well, it is, and it's, yeah. but it's, it, but our lives are sacred. It's not just like, you know, people, they get, they miss, I, I meet people that miss the fact that their entire life led them to wherever they're at. You know, and then I ask the young people, I'm like, what's your plan? Well, I don't have a plan. Yeah. Well, you're going to wind up wherever no plan leads you. And I've had that happen. I was like, they've come into my office and they're like, this problem's going on, that problem's going on. Well, what was the plan? Oh, we didn't have one. So you're right where you plan to be nowhere and um I mean sometimes it takes a minute to figure out said plan mm-hmm. oh yeah it does you know and said plan doesn't always work the way you want it to I don't know if it ever works but contingencies are always there that's it you should always have a contingency plan well and, and don't you feel like that if you don't go to the effort to plan because I don't feel like any of our plans work the way we plan them to usually no not 100% at least but I do yeah. think that sometimes our plans have led us to other places. Oh yeah, that have been brilliant. I mean, this whole media journey that I'm on would have never started if I just if I didn't accidentally find a photography studio. Mm-hmm. Purely on accident. Yeah. You can't tell it by looking at your pictures. It looks like you were meant for it from day one. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm gonna, <laughs> so so you gave me a picture. I did. Actually, you gave me two. One of me and one of Kate. Yes. That, that are, um, they'll be online later, I'm sure. Well, I'm, I'm going to put them up there. And I'm really... So they say that pride is a sin. And I get that. And because of our language, we only have the word pride. So what I'm very pleased with, I'm pleased with the work that you're doing. I, I'm pleased that you, you captured Kate and I not posing just... Just kind of like very intimate moments. Yeah, in 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 on this National Cathedral pilgrimage, which was, you know, like I we've something done this. You should, something you should all experience next year. Yeah, yeah, it was, it's on. incredible. And come on down, I'm telling we, you. You know, I I started doing this for myself, mm-hmm. very much so. Like I go to the pilgrimage, and and hopefully I'll get there, and hopefully you know that we'll and we'll talk through things, but then there's going to be other people that lead it. And I'll play some music at certain points where they've asked me mm-hmm. to. But I'm there for me. And you capture that a little bit. And 
I remember last year, you let it. And while it was enjoyable, it was exhausting for you. It was. Well, I didn't lead at all. Uh, Randy Haycock was the main chaplain. I, yeah. I assisted in the leading of it. Yeah. But this, this year we had two. But this year there were two other chaplains yeah. there, and you were more hands-off. Oh, it was beautiful. And I think the experience was much better, mm-hmm. especially for you. I mean, I guess people say I'm empathetic, but like I felt your, not frustration, but your exhaustion last year. Was, like I could see tired. it on your face. Yeah. It was palatable. Yeah, well, it's, it's scary. Like they're letting you use the National Cathedral. Don't screw it up. Don't screw exactly. it up. You know, <laughs> no pressure. You know, but Michelle from the National Cathedral, amazing person. Oh, she is. Um, everyone involved with this whole pilgrimage. Mar- it, Margaret. Margaret. She came this year, and uh, it, it's been nothing but wonderful. It's 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 going to this structure at eleven thirty at night. On a private tour, where we stop, we talk, we reflect. I mean, the building alone is set up in such a way that you're almost automatically open or receptive to this exchange of emotions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it, it's, it's like it's it's, it's, it's like, set up on a journey of life. Yeah, it's the journey of life. Yeah, that made that main. Yeah. Uh, walkway there, yeah. yeah. And when you start you out go. on the pilgrim stairs and you look down, and there's George Washington on a war horse, and then you look up at the cathedral, and there's the two donkeys one uh-huh. with Jesus and one with Mary. Mm-hmm. And it's, and all of a sudden, you realize that Washington, Jesus, and Mary are not necessarily the prominent figures of the story. The donkey and the horse lead us, right? Like it's the animals that, that are like so prominent in this little picture, not that. Not that Washington, Jesus, and, and Mary are not very, you know. Yeah. Um, not not taking anything from that, but but all of a sudden you see it, and it's not idolatry. You know, that's another thing. Like when I was growing up, I was taught that that was all idolatry. Mm-hmm. Like a statue was idolatry, and that's not it at all. You're not there to worship this. You're there to remind you of who you are as a person and the journey you're on in your life, and then you go through this whole. I mean, I was always taught that it was the statues were there as a focal point. For you to focus your efforts, your prayers, whatever. Not that you're idolizing the statue, but it's giving you like a conduit, if yeah. you will, to, to transfer all these things that you're trying to put out. Yeah, man. That, that is absolutely... That was a Franciscan friar. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. That's it, was it. A, it was a Capuchin monk. It was, makes total I'm sense. still friends with them to this day. Yeah? 35 years later. And he's a Mets fan. Terry, that's the other lady that helped us set this up. Yeah. Those three ladies were, I have been, fundamental in this whole thing. And Michelle's going to be integral in keeping Vet Church going on the path that it's going mm-hmm. on because she's, um, I didn't know this, but I think Terry was telling me, she's done all kinds of community service and helped people out in all in many, many walks of life. But honestly, if, if, if you ever meet her, um, you would not be surprised. She's Michelle is like such a giving person. Oh yeah, it it, it it like she leaves giving footprints wherever she goes. I mean, she's just an amazing person. Genuinely authentic. Yes. There's no like she's not there for frill or show. And she said she said that like one of the things she liked about Fetchers was we came to use the cathedral. Mm-hmm. 
we're, it was, I can't remember how she put it, but I'll just have to put it in my own words. We are using that building to help reflect our own lives, to help our, our psychic, our soul, our being to heal and to not just heal, but to be empowered to move forward in a world that eh, gets a little sketchy and showy she Not very know. supportable all the time either. And, no, there's, yeah. there's not. And, and so, like, it, you know, and Michelle has, we couldn't be doing it without her. No. And, then, and then the priests that have, done, you know, like, they've got, they've, whoever's responsible for that whole piece of property, have they've come alongside us. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not, it blows me away. Oh, yeah. And the venue that, the, okay, next year when you guys come, if you look at a photo of the National Cathedral, there's, like, these two towers in the front. You wouldn't know this by looking at it, but there is a venue, about three hundred seats. Maybe? No, I, th- I think it was more like a hundred. More like a hundred, because yeah. it was over I half think it was full. Bigger than that, it might have been. It might have been just what I was looking at. Yeah, like everybody yeah. came up to the front. I, I don't know. But anyway, a couple hundred people, um, on average, and it's on the seventh floor of one of these towers. You would never know it, yeah. and it's the best view of Washington D.C. hands down. It's a three hundred and sixty degree panoramic view of Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. Well, hopefully next. So year. if you come next year. You can go back on the Fourth of July, see the fireworks from yeah. the National Cathedral, and they they open. Just that's saying. another thing that they did yeah. is they opened that up to our group just for us. And, yeah. and and you know like some of the staff get to do that because mm-hmm. they work there, right? But they opened that up to us. I guess there was a potluck dinner. Yeah, they did a potluck and, dinner, um, like an impromptu potluck dinner, and yeah, and people came. People and, went. Well, and, and there's other things to see too. It's like, um, my 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 brother and his wife mm-hmm. came and they stayed in D.C. for a week. They planned to, they got a good deal and a place to stay. They did it ahead of time. Some of them flew in, some of their friends flew in from, one of them flew in from California. And um, and speaking of which, I wanted to, like, I, that just made me think of myself in autism. Mm-hmm. You were a huge proponent for the awareness of autism. And, uh... It's tattooed. Yeah, and we, we didn't even we didn't touch on that, but you've no, done no, work no. in that area. I, I just try to spread information because a lot of folks still have no idea what it is. Oh, I know. They just, and I mean, not to sound biased or anything, but it's a lot of the older generation because they were raised with words like retarded mm-hmm. or, you know, things of that nature, which are ugly words today but there were familiar words to these individuals growing up. Mm -hmm. And it was the only way to describe these things at Mm -hmm. the time. Now, through research and studies, we've defined, we've redefined these conditions. And autism, I have a 19-year-old son. He's autistic. He has autism. He has autism. autism. And um, it's it's a journey in itself. Because... For a few days, he's just a normal, happy-go-lucky kid, and then it's an emotional roller coaster for a few days. So it's 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 a journey in itself, but it's satisfying because you're helping somebody. That's it. Well, and, and I, I've always appreciated having you and Caroline approach that. Is oh no, don't don't start scratching, but hold on. Wants to lay down. There you go. So, but you you appre- you know you've approached it. Like you would approach anybody else who was in need, yeah, and who's who is hurting, and um, and I'm, I'm not always successful. No, but, but you're real. <laughs> but but I'm human. Been any, like, 
there hasn't been any like fluffy go oh look at us because we're doing this or my kids this way and no. it you wouldn't even like you said something there and it made me think about that and like if it we, we went right on over it because you're that behind the scenes guy yeah, yeah. and you're gonna you know, I mean if, if you want to know something I'll go ahead and tell you <laughs> Well, if you have any questions about autism, in, 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 in length, you know, but I'm not the kind of person to push things down people's throats. Never been that way, really. But if you want to talk, we'll talk. Yeah. I'll tell you anything you want to know. Yeah. You know, I'm very, I'm transparent in that way, but at the same time, I'm not like you know, hey, look at me. <laughs> you know. Well, let's let's talk about um. I, for for a while, you were on the coke. You weren't, um, you didn't have, uh, you, you hadn't like pursued filing with the VA appropriately. And so you went back and you did some of that stuff. It was, it was kind of weird because if you're getting out of the army, you have to go through ACAP, the Army, army Career Associate Planning course or something. I don't know. Some nonsense like that. <laughs> Basically, it's a week of, it's a week of classes that help prepare you. For life after the military. Right. One week, and, buddy. And one week. Set you one up. Week. And the only briefing that anyone ever remembers is the VA briefing, which is about three hours. The rest of the week is like. <laughs> so. They said I, if I got a good resume, it would help. Would help. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so I did my filing, and I got a certain percentage back, and at first I was okay with that. Yeah. But then I realized. And this is a hidden secret for all you veterans. There is a document on the internet that you can look at. And it's, it's broken down by chapters. And each chapter is a system of the body. And in this bad document, for lack of a better term, um, you can find out how much your rating is supposed to be. And I found that I was getting chipped. And I found out that I was getting zero percentage for things that I should be getting percentages on. What? No. Yeah. Not the VA. So I I appealed. I appealed. I refiled. After five years of fighting, I got my correct percentage. Which? Which actually still isn't all-encompassing some of my issues, but it's okay. Now, let's let's talk about this a minute. Cause like, I, I've met people, and the first thing out of their mouth is like, what's your percentage? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm, I'm, I almost regret saying it at any time. And, and mm-hmm. you can go back and read. I've said it before. And I'm starting to resist that now because what I've, I've discovered is there's a lot of people that think that they get a better percentage, they're going to get a little bit more money, and all their problems are going to go away. No, it's not. <laughs> it's. I mean, you might get a little more money. I mean, I but went. That doesn't solve your life. <laughs> okay. Full disclosure, I went from thirty percent to seventy percent to ninety to a hundred. And you're in hundred with the ability to work. With the ability to work. All of your problems went away, right? Magically. It was like Mister Clean Magic Eraser. Lucky charms. Um, so, yeah, I'm 100% to 
disabled, VA disabled, but I can still work. But I'm in constant pain every day. Um, I'm halfway to a liver transplant. I have uh, a condition called NASH. It's like non-alcoholic cirrhosis, blah, 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 blah. Um, I already have stage 2 liver damage from and, and <laughs> from all the Motrin. Mm-hmm. Motrin candy, right? 25 years of Motrin damaged my liver. Imagine that. Um, like... But yet they won't own up to it. Like burn pits. They won't own up to it. You know, we all have breathing problems. There's obviously something wrong. I had burn pits in Iraq. I had burn pits. Burn pits in Afghanistan. There were days we were sitting in the tent city, and we would have little particles of paper flying into tent city from the burn pit. Yeah, you know, but they won't own up to it. One day they will. I'm sure of it. I hope it will be within my lifetime. But who knows? Um, so yeah, no, I mean, no. have me. And the thing is, what I noticed also is that some people are actually jealous. Uh, that I have a higher percentage than they do. And I'm like, dude, don't be jealous. Be educated. If you got things going on, go file for that sucker. Oh, well, I don't know. No. Then you can't sit there and complain. Well, in... in did it cost you anything to file? Just time. And if you're retired, you got plenty of it. <laughs> yeah. And I mean... At first, I worked with uh, Wounded Warrior. They were my VSOs. But then I switched to VFW, and they helped me get everything filed right. But almost every major VA installation has someone in the building that will help you file your paperwork, usually from like DAV or American Legion. Mm-hmm. They're stationed in the hospital and it, and to, it's, to it's, do nothing but to help you. As much as we'd like to be like, oh, the whole thing's a mess. That's not true. There's people there that'll help you. It's like it's. I mean. I mean, yes, the system is a mess. I I have degenerative disc disease in my neck and in my lower back. It's degenerative. It's never going to get better. But they think it will, which is why I'm not. Which is why I'm not permanent. Right. Oh, I know that I, that, I fr- that frustration keeps thing. me up at night. That's part well, of my diagnosis. Is like. Degenerative distances yeah. from like, all, like, yeah. I, I have twenty-one service-related disabilities, and I'm like, I, my, my thought is this: like, if it's yeah. if it's never going away, which I've been told straight up, how is it not permanent? Well, and, and the other thing was like, all it would take them to do is write one word "permanent" yeah. on my stuff. They write the word "permanent," and all my student loans are forgiven. Now, any other officer who went through OCS or Green to Gold, but chaplains and lawyers mm-hmm. don't have this because of separation of church and state. Mm-hmm. And so, right now, I owe $60,000 because mine, it's just... See, it might get better. It might. It, it might. You never know. I'm hopeful. Fingers <laughs> crossed. I, I say prayers. Once oh. I got once I got my, my rating, my 100% rating... The they in the paperwork they send you, it's buried in the paper. But there's like a paragraph yeah. that tells you about this loan forgiveness thing. Read your paperwork, y'all. So I read my, I read my paperwork cover to cover, and I saw this one paragraph, and I was like, "No poop, really?" Did some more research on it, and 
just this couple months ago, I had $44,000 in loans forgiven. I graduate with three college degrees, debt-free. Yeah, it would be so nice not to have my student loans. And th that's, that's a blessing, let me tell you. Yes. Mm -hmm. but, but it's all about how hard you want to fight for yourself. There's no better advocate for yourself than yourself. You have to be an advocate for yourself. No. You have to go out there, do your homework, your do your research, yep. get the people involved, and do what's right for you. Because you know what? At the end of the day, no one gives a shit but you. Well, and that's in, and like, and then you might you might find out like I did that they're just not going to repay my student loans. They're not going to forgive them. Yeah. And unless something changes, and and right now, frankly, I'm too busy to mess with them anymore. I got something else on my mind. It'll be forgiven when you die. Hey, man. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm in that deal. I'm in that deal where, based on my income, uh -huh. well, I don't make any money, and I'm not going to make any money. That's true. I'm like, because disability doesn't count. Somebody starts, no, not at all. And and so and you start pouring in. Say say Vet Church went ahead and raised five million dollars. I think we need to do to do every bit of the conferences I want to see done all over the United States. People taking care of um, businesses being united. If, if I can get this going, guess where all that money's going? It's not coming to me. I'm going to do it and I'm never paying them student loans off because F them. Well, <laughs> like they don't want to come alongside and be realistic. Well, I'm going to be realistic about the, the way they're playing this game. Mm-hmm. Because I had, I had paid that stuff down from 100000 down to $50,000, and I got in this program. The next thing I know, there's, they added $10,000 worth of interest to me. And I said, okay, I could play this game too. I'll just never make another dime. I get $2,000 a month the rest of my life. Yeah. Kate's saying, move on. We're tired of it. <laughs> <laughs> we are. I'm, but I, I say that because I want people to know that like, sometimes you don't get what you want. Yeah. But like the song says, thank you, Mick. Get Can't what you need. need. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything we're missing? Good bottle of bourbon. Bourbon's important. Angel's Envy, finished rye. Oh, boy. It's yes. a bit pricey, but man, it's worth it. Oh. I got a bottle left for graduation. I saw that online. I drank half of it so far and I was like, Andy, look, we drank fifty bottle fifty dollars of bourbon. <laughs> no, it's true. It's true. It's true. Wait. Half a bottle. It's a hundred dollar oh. bottle. But it's so worth it. Yeah, it's it, man. The taste is it's unlike Oh god. You know, and I and I'm a it's, huge advocate of not being drunk. But if you want something just to like in in your and you don't have a problem with alcohol, I can't think of a better drink than Angel's Envy finished by. Yeah. And it's just Rye bourbon finished in rum casks. So you get that rummy kind of thing that smooths it out. Oh, yeah. You know what Christ's first miracle was? Are you familiar with the, the water being turned into yeah, water? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. See, his, I'm, like, his well, I'm like, wait, is there one before that? No, no, no. They're, they're at a wedding, and, his, his, and, and, and Christ, who's fully God and fully man, his mom looks over at him and it's like, do whatever they tell you. or do. You, he, she looks at the servants and says, you do whatever he tells you to do. And, he, and Christ is like, uh, you can just feel it. Like, here we go. Mom's, we're at this wedding. They've run out of wine. <laughs> Great planners. Um, <laughs> and, then like, and, and, and then his mom's like, 
tells the servants to do whatever. She's like, go fill those bottles up with water. And he fills them with water and he comes back and they take the wine up to the guy at the top of the party. He's like, why did you save the best for last? Usually they come up with the best first and go to the last. Well, I, and, and when it comes to bourbon, like if Christ was here today, there's some great bourbons in this country. Excellent bourbons. But I think something happened right down the road here in Louisville. <laughs> the good Lord must have been kicking around among us and he said. A little bit, yeah. Angels envy, huh? Well, it's finished, right? If, if you're going to, if you're going to, after these angels that are part of my, the, the Lord of the angel armies, I think that is the finest taste of wine. And I am, if you're an alcoholic and you got a problem with that, it, drunkenness is not a good thing. Moderation is important. But that taste, I say, I caveat that again and again. But that taste of that angel's envy finished, right? So good. And they've only been on a couple of years. I know. Um, I wrote I, the song for them. They sent me a bottle. I, I, I've watched. I watched that entire facility getting built up. Yeah. Uh, when they first bought it, and, and they said they were going to put a distillery there, and we're like, "It's downtown Louisville. You're going to put a distillery in downtown Louisville?" Okay. And damn if they didn't. <laughs> it's right across the street, or Caddy Corner, I should say, from uh, Slugger Stadium, which is. One of the best minor league baseball parks I've ever been to. Us too. It is so cool. It's small. It's intimate. And it's, you just have a great time there. Um, the soccer stadium is being built oh, yeah. on the other side. So if you're going further east, you have the Slugger Stadium, then you have Angels Envy, and then you'll have Soccer, soccer Stadium. Which I'm not quite sure what they're going to name it yet, but I'm hoping that they name it... Um, in honor of the original, one of the original owners of the Louisville soccer team, he was he, he was killed in a plane crash last year. Oh man! Yeah, and he was also a part owner of an MLS team in Florida. So, and he was very, and, and he's he's an architect, and he was very integral in, in the Kentuckyana area um, for doing projects and, and his philanthropy and all that. It was just a really good, and he always had time for the fans. You go, hey, hey, Wayne, let me talk to you for a second. You come, hey, what do you want to talk about? Mm-hmm. He'll always talk about the team. That's you know? awesome. Wayne is stopping all. Um, I hope they name it after him. That'd be cool. They wouldn't exist without him. That'd be cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's all there. The convention center's right there. Yeah. So you got just like a lot of my favorite things. You got great restaurants. Yeah. You got great bourbon. You got music. You yes. have um, some incredible hotels. The baseball factory. Baseball, that's the bat Louisville Slugger Factory. Yes. Uh, and uh, have you ever been to the Fraser Museum? No, I haven't. The Fraser Museum is like one of the last buildings along that row. Uh-huh. And it's a historical museum. It's a really cool little place. Whoa. And there's an actual bourbon trail here in Kentuckyana. Yeah, yeah, I've heard about this. It starts in Fraser. Does it really? Because they have this entire exhibit all about bourbon. Brand new thing, maybe about a year old. Give or take, and it's whole exhibit about bourbon, and that's where you start your tour, and you get your passport and your passbook, and you go to the other distilleries and get it stamped and, yeah. and all that. Yeah. Hey, what happens if you get all your passports stamped? I think you get a T-shirt. That's cool. Yeah, there's like a dozen distilleries, and um, the whole process is pretty interesting. Actually. Oh yeah, it's just I mean, it's, I, I've been to Maker's Mark a couple times. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a cool process. I've done a few bakery tours. Ooh. Can you tell? Ooh. <laughs> I like pizza. 
<laughs> oh man, I love food. Um, <laughs> Sometimes a little too much. What? Holy crap. It's okay, four o'clock? It's four o'clock. We're out. Yikes. Hey, y'all, thanks for um, joining us. Anything you want to say? Passing? Um, Ending? Not passing. Be kind. Take care of each other. That's it. It's that simple. Thank you for joining us for this Vet Church interview. Your feedback is welcome. Find out more at vetchurch.com or retiredarmychaplain.com.